0: there and welcome back to another episode of the clarity podcast we have the great opportunity to sit down today with uh personal friends of heathers and i um butch and pam fry who head up member care for for assemblies of god world missions great friends butch and i and pam we have those west virginia roots in common and uh true mountaineers we have the opportunity to sit down today and discuss about emotional health and the the um the importance of that in this time. I was listening to another podcast today. Um, Stephen Cuss was talking about super spreaders of fear and anxiety. Um, You know, I know in Madagascar now we're having to wear masks. We're doing social distancing, physical distancing, all these things to prevent the spread of this virus that we cannot see. But there are also super spreaders of fear, anxiety, and stress. And those would be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, CNN, Fox News, whatever your, your flavor would be. Those are also spreaders of fear and anxiety and so what are we doing um, we're doing all these things to protect ourselves physically but what are we doing to protect our, our hearts and minds and our emotions from these super spreaders not saying we got to crawl in a hole not saying we got to pr- not be knowledgeable but in a day where the average person is trying to get updated on the latest antibody test the, the virology the immunology the Igg Igm immunity what do i have have i been exposed have i not been exposed is the vaccine coming out and trying to decide when the vaccine. And I've had to ask myself, Aaron, are you looking at this because you want to know from the medical point of view so you can care for people, or are you actually looking so you're trying to gain some control and trying to gain some understanding? The reality of it is Aaron Santamire specialized in dermatology, and I'm not a virologist, immunologist, and all those things. I need to trust in God in those situations and trust in Him and not fall into that trap of the super spreaders of fear and anxiety of Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and and trying to to get a grasp, understand, and then not even knowing if what I'm listening or consuming is even true. So the question is, are is, are those mediums, those those social media and media mediums, are they consuming me or am I consuming them? And I would probably push back and say a lot of times in this crisis that that those those media outlets have actually consumed my peace of mind, my emotion, and my trust in God, rather than me consuming them just for, for the content. And so our, our time today with Butch and Pam is, is valuable to sit down with them and learn what we can do to guard our heart, guard our minds, and guard our emotions, and then begin to see, hey, maybe this stress, I'm overwhelmed. Maybe I've been in lockdown. Some of the listeners of this podcast are living in Italy. Where they've been, they've been, they've been in pot, they've been in lockdown for sixty days or more. And, and what is what is that looking like for them? as they they struggle with those with those challenges? At least I know I would be struggling with that. And so what what do we do? And what can we do to guard our heart, guard our mind, and guard our pe- inner peace in Jesus Christ? And so we'll talk about how we can be that non-anxious presence for our kids. What we can do as far as is caring for our emotions and our heart in this time. And so it's a great interview, valuable. Interview to sit down with Butcher Pam. We're thankful for them investing in us during this time. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Here with Butch and Pam Fry, and uh, so exciting. We've done many episodes um, during this time of the COVID challenge, COVID nineteen challenge, and we've addressed many different facets of it. And we thought it would be great and um, an opportune time to sit down with both Butch and Pam and talk about the emotional impact and the uh, the emotions that we've went through and the stress. Um, effect of this process and this challenge that we went through. And so Butch and Pam are are dear friends, Um, Butch and I, and we have those West Virginia roots that um, string us together. And so those are good things, Mountaineers Forever, and um, just excited to sit down um, with them today and learn from their wisdom and their insight and their experience. So Butch and Pam, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience for maybe there's some listeners that are listening in that may not know you as well as I do. Well, good morning, Aaron. It's great to be here.
1: Hi, Aaron. Good to see you.
0: I'm Butch, and
2: and this is Pam, my wife, and um, I coordinate member care for Assemblies of God World Missions. Uh, we've uh, uh, we were appointed, I guess, in 1987 at the age of 12, and we have. Uh, uh, we have been with AGWM during these all those years. We were in Mexico 20 years, the last 11 years as area directors, and during that time began to be heavily involved in member care at Junkley. And then in uh, 2008, we we're, uh, were invited to be a part of uh, uh, member care. It was called Personnel and Family Life back then. But uh, uh, we transitioned the end of 2009 and began 2010 and what we're doing, there's been a lot of change since then, but we're just, uh, we're always delighted to work with uh, probably the greatest group of missionaries in the world.
0: Good deal. And Pam and Butch, what, what's your professional background? You're obviously missionaries, you've worked. Um, have you did, done any further studies as far as um, in member care or, or your professional background?
1: Uh, professionally, I'm a licensed, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. And my degree is actually from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. So I feel like I have a good mix of um, both secular and religious experience thrown into into that uh, degree.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, and for me as well, both my uh, uh, graduate degree and my my doctorate are in the area of professional counseling. uh, The clinical counseling side on the master's and marriage and family counseling. Uh, on the uh, on the doctoral side. Yeah,
0: good deal. Good deal. Well, hey, to jump into one of the first questions, um, I was this as we were thinking about this during these days that have been unsettling and maybe anxiety and and it's sometimes even panic uh, provoking. What wisdom would you have for, for the listeners that that have been walking through those times, and maybe they're feeling this, maybe they never felt anxious before, but during these days, they're feeling an increased level of anxiety, or maybe they're feeling an increased level of stress. What wisdom or insight would you have um, for for listeners that would be in, maybe in that situation?
1: I think first off, I would tell them this is normal. What you're feeling, experiencing, um, not only mentally, emotionally, but even in your body physically, it this is normal it's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation i would call it but going on farther i would tell them to do the basics keep doing the basics that they can they can't be they may not be able to do everything that they're used to doing but they can maintain rituals and they can maybe even add new practices some new um, family activities or personal activities that they can even continue after this ends uh The basics also include eating well, exercising, making sure you do devotions, uh, try to get sunlight every day. It may not be easy for some people if they are not allowed outside, but most of us do have windows, so you can get to the window, get some light. Stay connected to family, friends at home. Uh, We don't have to be disconnected just because we can't see our people. But on the the side of saying you want people to stay connected, but at the same time, We have to monitor what we're reading and seeing on TV, listening to on the news, because that can overwhelm us, which takes me to your attitude and being able to focus on reality and truth. And this is a big one for me. I have really had to look at this one during this time. I have to look at what is true, what are fears and worries that are just, you know, in me or I'm picking up on others. I have to manage my thinking, my thought processing. I have to look for the positives. I've had to actually sit myself down and say, okay, what is positive? There are a lot of negatives right now. There are a lot of hard things. There are a lot of changes. But I've had to put my focus on what is true, what is positive, where I can invest my energy and keep my focus on that as, as much as I can.
2: So, yeah, so one of the things that uh, we look at during this time, she mentioned uh, – exercise and devotions. For me, those two are huge. I, uh, if I uh, get out of touch with either one of those, I I pay a price very quickly. And um, uh, I understand that everybody's experience uh, with this time of isolation has been different. And I mentioned actually on another podcast recently that uh, there is no way that I can imagine Uh, what somebody who is uh, locked into a flat with three young children and and has to print off uh, you know a permission slip to go out and get groceries every two weeks is going through our experience is different we're we're in a bit of a modified uh, shutdown and although because we have a high-risk person in our family we we observed it religiously the first few weeks uh, it still is different I mean we're able to get out in the backyard and there's a large parking lot that backs up against our back fence. And, you know, we can walk in our neighborhood and all of those things. And so our experience is different. And we, I I ask myself, how would this have looked differently in Mexico city where we lived outside a great deal of the time? You're, you're going to the market, you're in the street, you're talking to neighbors, you're, you, you just live a life that is, uh, not the same as as the automatic garage door opener life that we live in the United States. So, well, I under I, I want to make that clear that our experience is distinct, and we uh, we um, certainly uh, we do look at these experiences of people are going through uh, where they're locked into a flat as being a real test of resilience. Uh, having said that, I think the the uh, the exercise in in that what, there are things that we can do, and you've talked with. Brandon and Melissa about this or think we can modify and make sure that we're getting exercise even within the confines of a of a bedroom or a living room. And uh, for the devotional side of things, I believe making, making sure that um, we use this time wisely uh, where we are isolated and perhaps actually have some added moments of opportunity to shore up our devotional life and to even if we feel that it's been out of sync, maybe even make some adjustments on how we do it, maybe move to twice a day uh, instead of once a day, uh, or, and to build the intensity of that a little bit. In other words, take advantage of, of the possibilities that exist.
0: Pam, you mentioned um, when you shared, you said picking up on the fears of others. And, and remaining on what is true. What does that look like when picking up on fears of, of others? And then could you just maybe unpack that a little bit about how maybe you work through that process to come back and focus on what's true and not getting, maybe the fears of others are true, but you, you could un, almost, it's like it snowballs. And I find myself doing that, you know, you get on the internet, you start reading and you read and you read and read, and read, and read, and before you know it, you're in this state of, uh, of anxiety and, and tenseness. Um, how can listeners, what can they do to maybe combat that or to balance that out or to focus on what's true?
1: Well, I think in the beginning of this, I had the news on constantly. I'm a news junkie anyway, but there was so much happening and so much that was new. And you would hear one story here, read another story there, and you almost didn't know which way to turn. And because During this process normal life is happening at the same time. There are also hard things happening I just started allowing it to overwhelm my thinking and I actually it took It took several weeks for me to actually calm myself down and say okay This is what's going on. This is what's going on out there The reality is I have a small world that I can control this is what i can do i can limit what i'm seeing and reading or i can say okay this doesn't affect me this doesn't impact my life this is what i'm doing to combat that fear um i felt like i was picking up on all of the all the negative negativity of uh, probably the news more than anything else because our family wasn't was talking about it but i was hearing it more on media and then looking to try to figure out what we can do to Protect ourselves. Protect a person in our family who does have, who is high risk. And I thought that's all we can do. And I had to put that in perspective, basically grounded on faith, saying I've done all I can do. The rest is up to God, and and leave it there. And honestly, I had to try to find the positives, and every day look at the positives, like if if, and hold on to those as well.
0: That's good. That's good. You know, I've noticed in myself, um, we went through five or six, five, maybe six days. Heather says I'm an evangelist, but five, at least five days with no electricity. Um, And I found, you know, normally five days with electricity, I probably wouldn't have been so my, I call it, I had a quick trigger but i 've just found through this time that I've, i 've my my response is a lot quicker, and things that maybe didn 't bother me um, as much seem to be bother me and bother me quicker what are is that a stress response, or what would be some of the reasons behind that? Maybe somebody 's listening and they're thinking yeah that I, I resonate with that that I'm reacting a lot quicker to things that, and maybe little frustrations. Now I over respond um, or overreact. Is that common or is that a process? And what's going on when that happens?
1: I, yeah, that is common. I started to go there when I was just talking because we feel we like to control our world. It's normal. We're human. That's that's what we're made to do. Um, and right now, everything feels out of our control. So we, we have to look. What I was talking about was looking at the small pieces in our world that we can control. But we're also used to quick fixes. If we're not comfortable, we do something to change it. I mean, if we're cold, we turn the heat on. We start a fire, put on a layer, of, uh, an extra layer of clothing. If we're hot, we turn on the air conditioner or open a window. We do something. If we're in a situation, if we're working on a project that's not going well, we do something to change it. We, we do what we need to to make it right or to fix it. And where we are right now, there is no getting out of it. We can't fix it. We have to walk through it. And so looking at what we can do to walk through this in a healthy way or just move through it is a positive thing. But at the same time, our normal reaction is we have to fix it. And so it triggers anxiety. It triggers anger because we can't control it. We can't get out of it. We just have to go get through it the best we can. That's good. That's I don't good. know if that's a question. No, or... no,
0: it does. It does. <laughs> Butch, do you see that um, in guys? Do you see, Is it maybe um, I shouldn't say just guys, but are, are men more prone to burst of anger or quick, quick outbursts maybe? Or is that just a sexist statement there?
2: Well, it may be sexist, but it's true. I think <laughs> it... <laughs> You know, somebody once said if you could cure men of lust and anger, you'd have the perfect species.
0: And I think that
2: there's a lot of truth to that. I think that we do. Testosterone alone can cause a bit of aggressiveness in all of us, yeah. and I think that we do deal with anger, and some more than others. And um, the way that we the way that we deal with that, I think, uh, has a lot to do with that with the end results of the anger 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 in itself we know is not a sin but it's in the expression of the anger and uh, what one of the things that i found that has helped me through this season because as i've said so many times so many people are going through not only the coronavirus and all of the ramifications of that but they're going through layers of of uh, grief and uh you know situations that they're uh, maybe whether it's extended family or whatever it may be. Uh, I I've asked myself, uh, tried to open my heart to what God might be desiring to do in my life during this season. I don't try to uh, interpret what God's doing in the body of Christ or in the world. I'll leave that to the Facebook prophets to you know to <laughs> work all that out. But I I have been faced with. Uh, the question of what God might be trying to do in my life, uh, and so I I would just encourage everybody to prayerfully ask this question: What is it that may be culminating in my life during this crisis, uh, and have I settled for mediocrity while the Lord maybe has other plans? and has this season uh, served to motivate me to take a crucial step. Those are the those are the uh, questions that I'm asking. I think that. Sometimes we can be on the precipice of doing significant things in the kingdom, but our comfort zone prohibits us from doing that. And I think that if this crisis has done nothing else, uh, it has let us know that our comfort zone is all very relative hmm. and it's very flimsy. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we, that we see glaringly is that uh, the economy uh, is much more unpredictable uh, when you have an, a, a, a surprise pandemic, yeah. uh, much more unpredictable than we thought. So uh, it's not just the economy. It's every area of life that's affected by this. So yeah. just I think just opening our hearts to God and asking him what it is that he would like to do in us during this season. Uh, because let's face it, this life goes by very quickly. We have a limited amount of time and resources. And at the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. what will matter for us.
0: Yeah. That's good. You know, the other thing is we, we shift a little bit is for parents, maybe there's parents that are listening in and they've seen maybe an increase in anxiety in their kids and maybe they've, they've recognized some different things. What, um, what advice or wisdom or counsel would you have for parents, and maybe is there some certain small things that they could do to begin to address those anxieties and stresses that they're seeing in their kids? Maybe their kids are um, living with them, or maybe their kids are far away from them. Maybe they're back in the states, they might be in different places or in different countries. but what could parents do um, to help their their kids in, in that time, in this time?
1: Um, I think one of the first things that people need to realize that kids will pick up on their anxiety, on the parents' anxiety. The kids will have their own anxiety because they don't understand what's going on. They can't see their friends. They're not going to school. They're not able to do the things that they're used to doing. If they see their parents being more anxious, they're going to pick that up too. And that will, that will even cause their anxiety to grow farther uh, or grow stronger. I can't think of the right word. So for parents, I think being able to be positive around them and with them will help the kids learn to be positive. They'll pick up on the parents. They'll pick up on the atmosphere in the home. They'll pick up on what the parents are thinking and feeling. They'll, they'll see it and sense it. Um, I would advise parents to talk to their kids, ask them what they're feeling, ask them what they need. I saw a family early on in this. I saw several people post schedules. You know, this is what we're doing in our family. And I saw another friend who finally said, oh, there's no way we can do that. This is what we're doing. <laughs> she went through, she said, yeah, the schedule is great, but I can't do that with my family. Yeah. And I, I identified more with that person than I did with the person who had the, you know, the schedule out because we have two small children in our home with us now. And looking at trying to do a schedule with them, that just wasn't working. We did, there were times when they needed to do one thing and we did that. And then you could tell when they were done and we did something else. So being able to move from project to project, keep their minds busy. um, At the same time, they need to know that there is structure and that there is consistency because that helps them be calm. If they know what's coming next, they feel, they feel calmer on the inside. Uh, They feel reassurance that their life is sort of normal. And I would just encourage parents if they, their kids don't finish all their homework or don't get all the lessons. They will eventually get it. Uh, They're learning emotional regulation during this time and they're learning it more from parents than, than their friends at this point. So that's an important factor to uh, hold on to. And if, if you get overwhelmed as a parent, you step outside, step into another room, uh, take a break, somehow take a break, let them, they might not be used to watching TV or connecting with their friends on Skype or Zoom. Maybe you don't, maybe parents don't allow the kids to do that. But during this time we need to, I hate to say, I hate to use the word the phrase bend the rules a little bit, but this is an abnormal time and we need to do different things to help our kids maintain connections, to give us sanity um, and just be, be, be as solid as we can.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah, so we have, as you know, Aaron, we have a son and a daughter-in-law and two little grandsons that live in Paris and they've had one of the, uh, stricter systems during this, uh, coronavirus as far as what they can do and when they can do it. And our son and daughter-in-law are both professionals and are used to, uh, their, their littlest going to creche and, uh, the other one is in kindergarten at this point and they've been home and then they just, they've extended theirs another 30 days. So uh, they, I think they're looking at uh, sometime in May, I forget the exact date when it will be lifted, but it's been interesting to see them walk through this. But I think we have to look at the bigger picture. Uh, And I think they've been able to do this is that uh, this is an opportunity to spend so much time with kids, that if they're, if they're past the age of having an intact memory, then they're, they're going, this is going to resonate and they're going to have this in their memory bank forever. So this is a time that they'll be able to refer back to and um, creating moments just to be silly with them. And like, we have a, we have a three-year-old and a four and a half year old. So there are plenty of silly times that come naturally, naturally for us in the house right now, but we also create those moments. You know, last week we, you know, went back to our seventh grade in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight, got them all interested in dancing to that. And, and they, they just think it's a great song and, you know, creating some silly times and making sure that levity can play a part because there's not just not that much in life that's worthy of the serious tone that we sometimes attribute to it. Um, so I think we have to look at this as being temporary. Um, the very serious side of it is, of course, the toll that it's taken on humanity. Uh, but, it, it, but the fact that we've had to be inside and, and these things have been tense, we can I think we can contextualize those as best we can and try to extract just some humor from it. And that'll go a long ways towards helping us uh, keep some good mental health. Yeah,
0: that's good. You know, our kids, we, Heather and I and the kids, we've been taking walks in our neighborhood and they've been, we've been picking up nails on the road. And I told them, you talked about intact memory. I said, when you have your grandkids, you can say during the COVID-19 challenge, my dad and mom made me take a walk with them and pick up nails on the road, rusty nails. (laughs) Anyway, but it isn't. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if they they will, they, they don't find so much amusement in it. But anyway, that's our family. Um, the other, I want to just shift a little bit during these times of stress. Um, sometimes people can revert back to coping mechanisms or maybe temptations or challenges that maybe they thought that they were things of the past, but they seem to be creeping up um, in this time of stress. And maybe somebody, Maybe it's uh, computers, maybe it's uh, looking at pornography, or maybe it's a, if, if we've talked about um, different areas that we might revert back to um, that we thought we had come over um, and that God had, had brought us through, what did, is that common and what would be some wisdom and advice for maybe for somebody listening in and they think, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm struggling with some, some temptations and challenges that, that, that I, I thought were in my past, but now they've, they've come back.
2: Sure. And we train for this during missionary training. We, we alert people to the fact that over and over again, we hear people say as they transition into a life on the field that they deal with issues that they felt were gone years and years ago. Uh, there's something about being in the unknown uh, in no man's land that brings out, for lack of a better term, our primal tendencies. And it's not uncommon at all, and I think people will deal whether it be anger, whether it's lust, whether it's acting out in some way, uh, maybe even an old addiction that dates back to years and years ago. They may feel the uh, the tendency uh, flare up again, or maybe may even begin to venture into that. Um, Without understating the seriousness that this can be in their lives, I think it's also important to uh, extend grace and let people know that these are these are abnormal times and abnormal times do bring out those tendencies and extraordinary times especially those that are characterized by isolation uh, can test uh, the fabric uh, of our resiliency uh, when i was this is decades ago when i was doing graduate work in counseling I'll never forget The words of uh, a wise old uh, systems uh, theory uh, professor that I had, who said, "Nothing tests the 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 strength fabric of a family unit like transition." Well, we're going through a transition right now. Uh, This uh, this whole pandemic has caused us to transition very quickly. Into a time of isolation, and now uh, as restrictions are loosened up, people will be transitioning out. So nothing nothing does test our resiliency or our strength quite like uh, transition, whether it be a slow or quick transition. Now the transition onto the field is planned planned for, and people understand that it can be difficult. Uh, nobody was planning for what we've experienced in the last two months, and. Um, it, it, it all happened relatively quickly. So people were caught off guard. So I think there has to be an issuing of grace in the personal lives of people when they understand that uh, this, you know, this was nothing they could have planned for. But at the same time, that they be aware that if they are venturing into areas that are that are unsafe for them, that they need to uh, do everything that they can within their power. And that includes asking for help from others. Uh, So that this doesn't become uh, a life tendency.
0: Good. That's good. Thank you for your wisdom on that. And um, yeah, it's like you said, no one planned for this. And um, when you're preparing for something, I think you can put some systems into place. But when it's thrust on you, you don't necessarily have that opportunity to put those systems um, into place yeah that rapidly and uh, it's good stuff what you know with the assemblies of God world mission and most of the the listeners in will be from our organization what maybe they're in a place that you talked about Butch that maybe they feel like they need they need a little bit of help and to reach out how would somebody reach out for help um and uh, maybe they want to talk to somebody or maybe they feel like they're venturing into an area As you, you shared that they, they just feel like it's, it's harmful. Um, what would they do or how could they, how could they reach out for help?
2: Sure. Well, there's a variety of ways. Many, many folks serving have a relationship with their area director that they feel that they can reach out to that person and, uh, and get some immediate help or to a team leader. Sometimes, they would rather reach out to somebody a little less familiar, uh, and that might be somebody like yourself who who works in member care uh, on the field, and even others uh, choose to uh, reach out directly to the member care office, to to us personally, and we are usually able to help them. And uh, if they want further resources, we're able to facilitate that. So there's a variety of ways uh, but I think it, it depends on their comfort level. And I, uh, I say all the time, uh, I don't care how you get help. I just want to see you get the help that you need. And that's, I think that's all of our goal. Uh, we're, not, we're not competing as to who gets to help. Uh, we just want to see the help there. And um, uh, if anybody is unsure, I think that uh, they, can, they can reach out where they feel most comfortable.
0: Pam, how would somebody know if they're getting to that point where they might, is there any signs or is there, should they rely on their spouse or maybe on team members or is that something internally? How would somebody know, well, I don't know if I should be asking for help or maybe I'm just overreacting or maybe I'm panicking or is there certain things that, that you found that people can um, help make that decision? Well,
1: in normal life, yeah. If, if you're, anxiety, stress, if you feel like your life is being impacted by your thoughts and feelings, then that's probably a good indicator that you need to reach out for help. Um, This is an abnormal situation, like we've been talking about. So sometimes people can just breathe a little bit and and use the techniques and the tools that they already have, uh, like putting everything into perspective. This This is a tough time, we're all going through it, but we will get through it, it won't last forever it will look a little different. But if you find yourself not functioning, not, uh, not getting out of bed, not wanting to get up, uh, not sleeping well, not able to eat or overeating, um, or being overly sensitive, more than normal, like really anger, your anger is at an uncontrollable phase. And usually those are the times that a spouse will say, okay, you're, you're really on the edge. You know, you need to talk to somebody. A spouse or a friend sometimes will notice it in, a, in us quicker than we notice it in ourselves. So that really does help. You can ask a friend, Hey, do you see me acting or behaving differently or thinking, am I saying things that I wouldn't normally say? Um, and you may be able to just talk it through with a friend or with a counselor or with a therapist or with a pastor or, um, even online with with there are places that you can look online and say, "Okay, this is what I'm doing. I need to find someone to to talk to. There are lots of counselors who are doing online therapy now. There are coaches who will work with people. So it's just a fact as which said, you know if you're if you're struggling, if you need help, reach out someplace and get it. And I think that's if you know you're not functioning, like if you can't make it through the day, uh, then that's not changing if you're falling, falling into bed at the end of the day, totally exhausted, you get up in the morning, absolutely exhausted, and you're already looking forward to the end of the day. If that stays for a prolonged period of time, you probably need to reach out to somebody.
2: Yeah. And there are, there are, uh, there are online assessments that people we can direct people to where their privacy, they can take the assessment, get the results. Nobody else sees it except for them. And, uh, that will give them, especially in the area of depression, that will give them a, a, a little more of an idea of where they are. Uh, sometimes, uh, as Pam said, it's, uh, our reactions are normal given the abnormal circumstances that we're living in. So I think that people need to, need to understand that, that not everything is PTSD, that uh, sometimes it's just a normal reaction to, to an extraordinary situation.
0: Rich and Pam will you pray for the audience um, and just pray that God will use um, the wisdom and insight that you've shared today to help them and maybe there's somebody that's listening in and they are in a situation that they um, they need to reach out for help and they 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 don't necessarily feel like they have the courage will you pray for for that and just pray for wisdom and insight and resiliency um as it during this time?
2: Yeah, I will. And before I pray, can I just add one thing, Aaron? I was thinking about resources, and um, we are accumulating uh, just uh, so many counseling resources. And I'm talking about professional counselors and psychologists that deeply, deeply love missionaries. And uh, it really um, gives them a deep sense of purpose to know that they're investing into the lives of people that are doing what they cannot do we just came across uh, uh, still another one on the west coast this week who who just expressed in no uncertain terms that she absolutely loves to work with uh, global workers especially those from uh, her organization and so i think it's important that people understand that there there are highly skilled professionals that are chomping at the bit to be able to join hands with them because they see them, they see our missionaries as doing something that they could never do. And to them this is just kind of a way that they are helping uh, to fulfill the Great Commission by strengthening up areas uh, where they need strength. And uh, I'm I'm really grateful for the team of professionals that we have that are that are working. It's it's. I think uh, our audience would be amazed at the number of them, uh, and at how deep their love for missionaries goes. It's
0: good word. Good okay. word.
2: Father, we thank you for this day that we have to serve you, to worship you, and Lord, to look into the call that you've placed on our on our lives, and to respond to that call once again. Lord, we know that the last two months have have brought myriad opportunities, but at the same time, myriad situations that are extremely challenging in in the lives of so many of our workers. God, and I pray today that you would meet them with a grace and a peace that is evident in their lives today, and that you would speak to them and that you would encourage them. Lord, whether you do that in a time of prayer or through the lips of a co-worker or uh, a, a a colleague, a national colleague, or somebody else, we pray that that encouragement would be there. God, and I pray that our friends would be strengthened to take advantage of all of the resources that you put at their disposal in order to to strengthen their resilience and to cause them to be fully equipped for what's ahead. God, we will not forget to give you the glory and honor. And Lord, it's from a spirit and heart of gratefulness that we thank you today that we can be part of the fulfillment of of the response to this great commission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.